0: Chris and Chris Talk
1: Movies. All right, welcome back. We have got a hot dog for you today. Uh my name of course is Chris Ferry and my
0: co-host, I am Chris Huddleston.
1: Uh we today we are going to talk to you about the 1995 feature film Judge Dread. When there is crime in society, there is no justice. As a city, we continue to grow. Seventy-three citizen riots. Come and get us! Draw your weapons and prepare to be judged. (laughs) Judge this. Court adjourned. You're a legend. You were my finest student. Get Fred! Dread.
0: You're under arrest.
1: What's the charge?
0: Murder. The
1: enemy can falsify.
0: Guilty as charged. I am the law. I am the law. What chaos? The sentence shall be life imprisonment. I'm the chaos. Dread. We're not together. It's not for this console to play God! Who says politics is boring?
1: Okay, so that trailer was a hot mess, if you could see it, but listening to the audio of it was like a plate of hash. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, it is what it is. So, Chris, why don't you give us the synopsis of this film?
0: All right, so this is an incredibly brief synopsis from IMDb. In a dystopian future, Joseph Dredd, the most famous judge, a police officer with instant Uh, field judiciary powers is convicted for a crime he did not commit and must face his murderous counterpart.
1: That is brief. What? Give me that, that turn of phrase again. He has instant Instant
0: field judiciary powers, which in the, (laughs) so there's an opening crawl in the movie. I almost just read that. Yeah. Uh, That is read by James Earl Jones. I wonder, I wonder what they paid James Earl Jones to do well, that. Now,
1: 95. But, I did. He, did he command the, the, was that at his height of his.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it were some, was some lean times for, for, uh, for James, but, uh, in that they call him not judge, jury and executioner. They call him like police judge and executioner or something like that. Or that's what they say. The, the judges police, are, jury
1: so. and executioner yeah, They yeah. are the judges.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: But that's essentially what they are. They're just one man. It's the whole process and, and individuals. The cops have the power to uh, convict a perp of a crime on the spot. And then if it's a murder or a punishable by death offense, they simply have the power to execute the perpetrator in the moment.
0: Right. So what did you think of this one?
1: Well, okay. So it gets a 19. On Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't know if it's that I have. I would have given it better than that. Um, it's not. Um, uh, it's. I'm not saying it's a great movie. It is a graphic novel or comic book movie. Before Joss Whedon and Marvel taught us how, you know, to really chime a comic book movie um so you know the costumes are sort of spandex and and gold plastic and like crazy helmets and it all looks ridiculously fake and they have these big overbuilt bikes you know but they're trying to realize what in a graphic novel you just um take as you take it for granted on the screen with real life human beings in it and honestly in 95 there was um there was a kind of—I think of it as—as as more of an '80s thing—but there was a kind of a gelled hair, a kind of a glossy, f- produced look to things that I think, you know, f- the future in in movies now is gritty and dirty, but that wasn't really the case in this film. Everything looks shiny and cartoony and i think it that was a deliberate choice because they're like oh it's a comic book movie so we're you know this is what a comic book would look like um i don't i'm not that i have a problem with that it's just you know the the costumes look fake they don't look like You're very uh, fake yeah, yeah they it look looks like, like
0: spray painted gold you know yeah
1: halloween costumes exactly that,
0: that i was thinking that watching it yep
1: the dialogue and you know and by design like they mm-hmm. have one, one huge epaulette is this sort of shoulder thing. That's like gold Chrome. It's got an Eagle and a huge, you know I mean? It's absurd. And I, I'm in a, in a graphic novel, you might not um, bat your eye at it because those tend to be when you're reading um, something that is essentially a visual art form stylization is it just is what it is. You know, you just go with it. It doesn't bother you. Um but you know, it stands out on screen they're sort of clunking around in these big boots and you're like, that's not even functional. You can't even walk in that. But, um, you know, and it's chock full of, uh, corny, like really overripe one liners and the acting and performances are way over the top. And the script is, is pretty ham handed, but, it's an hour and a half. So it's mm-hmm. not like you're in it to suffer for a long time. And they did have some big, um, you know, big set pieces like painted backgrounds of the sort of future city, which is a kind of quiz flying cars and flying motorcycles, which I think at 2020, we're like, okay, there's not going to be flying cars, but um, you know, it, there's more than I think 19% uh, to like in this. And I enjoyed revisiting it. I'm not going to like buy it or go back and watch it a third time. I don't regret. I don't wish for the time back. What
0: Mm -hmm. did you think? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm say I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. Um, This is definitely better than Johnny mnemonic that we watched a few weeks ago. Although, it's a weird thing revisiting these mid nineties movies because they, at least these sci-fi ones, they all kind of look the same. It's like you are saying, it's, it's all this kind of bright lighting. It's almost like the same cinematographer worked on, or the, you know, the the same lighting and everything was, it's just a weird, a weird thing to me, but it's, so I was reading, uh, I, I saw this originally in the theater and I, I know people hated it at the time, and, and I don't remember disliking it that much. You know, I think it was I thought it was OK at the time. Um, I was reading today. This was another one just like uh, Stallone and Nighthawks last week. That was a troubled production. The director mm. wanted this to be dark and Stallone wanted it to be funny. Well, the so material
1: were- is dark.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the this source was, material is dark. The source material is dark. The screenwriter for this wrote uh, Die Hard, the original Die Hard and 48 Hours, among other things. Uh, and this, from what I read, the studio basically blamed him for this flopping. And it, it was Disney under whatever Hollywood Pictures or I, f-
1: I forget who, what it was. The screenwriter or Stallone?
0: Uh, they blamed the screenwriter for this yeah, failing and basically, yeah, basically banned him for so he had written it to be kind of funny, but the the director wanted it to be gritty and filmed all these really violent scenes and they actually had to submit this to the mpaA four times. they kept giving it an NC seventeen rating. that's how violent it was, which wow. is surprising because they're there's like not much blood in this or anything, you know? I mean, it's, it's not really, there's a lot of shooting and, and all that, but I didn't think of this as a super violent movie, but Stallone wanted it to be funny. And this is another one. I, I think like Nighthawks where it starts out super campy, you know, with him in the, uh, the helmet and giving, you know, the one liners and everything. And that continues, but later in the movie where, he's wrongfully c- convicted and they send him to the prison, you know, colony and all that. He becomes a little more naturalistic. It's not quite as corny. You know what I mean? It, it's, it seems like they made it a little bit more serious. Yeah. Um. But it's, it's kind of all over the place in that regard. Uh, I noticed in, you know, so many movies have done this, but they were the, some of the design, they were going really hard blade runner. You know, when they're out on the streets, that was like Blade Runner when they were in. There's one scene where uh, his partner is. Who is she? Diane Lane. Yeah. Um, Where she is. There's a scene that's straight out of Blade Runner where she's looking at the uh, she's using the computer to like enhance the photograph and her apartment or whatever that she's in looks exactly like Decker's apartment from. Blade Runner, I thought, you know, it's like the color palette that they. So it's like they were really trying for the the Blade Runner look. Um, I mean, it's entertaining enough. It's just kind of there. Also, I read. uh, So you have, you know, they get into kind of a buddy thing with him and um, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Who was handpicked by Stallone. I don't know why exactly. Well, because he wanted it to be funny. He wanted it to be funny. His original choice was Joe Pesci, and they couldn't get Joe Pesci. They Uh, couldn't get Joe Pesci. They couldn't get Joe Pesci. Um, So, I mean, Rob Schneider is Rob Schneider. I guess if you're a Rob Schneider fan, maybe, but he's not great in this or anything. So,
1: uh, Well, to be fair to Rob Schneider, he does what he does.
0: Yeah, it, he's it, acting like Rob it's, Schneider.
1: It's you know. very clear and very specific, and it, it may not be everyone's taste, and it's certainly lowbrow, mm-hmm. but I can't, you know, as an actor myself, like, I can't fault Rob Schneider no, he does his niche yeah, and doing his thing, and he, I'll say the other, just to skip for a second, like, so, so he is, what he is doing is a very clear comic sidekick character. He's going at it with all of his heart, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not it fits the overall tone of the movie, or jives with everything else you can debate, but Armand Asante as the uh, villain is really chewing the furniture Oh and yeah, I, I enjoyed watching his performance this time around mm-hmm. enormously, like is he over the top? Hell yeah he's over the top, but I,
0: he kind of steals the movie, you know <laughs> it's, I yeah. think you, you love to hate him And I had remembered this as in in my mind, I had remembered this as being that they were trying to make a serious movie, but they just failed. But this is you watch it, and clearly, at least Stallone and the others, you know, maybe the director had a different view, but they're in on the joke. You know, this isn't like, oh, we're trying to make a cool movie. This is we're trying to make a campy movie, essentially. That's how I felt watching it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not like this was supposed to be cool and gritty and serious, and it just didn't turn out that way. I thought it, of th- Total was... Recall. Um, yeah, I thought of can... Total Recall. I thought of uh, uh, you know another Stallone movie, Demolition Man.
1: Yes, exactly. You know? Where, but sticking with Total Recall for one second, it's mm-hmm. like uh, on on the face of it, it's this sci-fi. With some animatronic horror touches. It's it's a serious movie, but it is an entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that Total Recall is a comedy, but they do give Schwarzenegger's character a lot of little like comically leavening moments and little buttons of things. He takes off the woman's mask and then it blows up. It's like all shot through the movie. They're trying to like make it family friendly in certain ways. And I mean, we're not reviewing that movie today, but I, I think ultimately I remember that movie fondly. I think net mm, it yeah. worked at the time in a way that this one did not work in that way. It wasn't a serious future where the stakes are, there are the entire planet. Um, but There's really effective comic moments throughout. I did feel like it was at war with itself in that regard. And it makes total sense having you say that um, Stallone wanted it to be a comedy for whatever reason he would have had. But the director uh, was pulling it in a very different direction because I think the source material is pretty clearly dark and gritty.
0: And that was something that I wanted to ask you. Did you ever read any of these comics? No. Well, yes, but not.
1: Comprehend? I like, I not. I wasn't a collector. I can't. You know, out of curiosity, I read a dread here or there, but I didn't. It's been a long time, so I can't. I think really this
0: see was a little before our time. To- I think the comics were, you know, for one thing, they were British. They were kind of, uh, they were kind of underground. Uh, the first ones were black and white, I think, and I remember somehow when I was a kid, I got some kind of a a comic catalog. That, uh, you know, just a paper mail order thing, obviously pre internet where they just had all kinds of stuff in there that you could order. And I always, I remember paging through that and there was a lot of underground stuff like that, that, you know, you couldn't just buy like at the supermarket or whatever. And, uh, I remember seeing a lot of the covers and, and I probably saw some in the comic store, but they were just a little too adult, you know, when I was 10 or whatever, uh, so I was somewhat aware and at some point along the way there was, there's probably been multiple of these since, but there was a, uh, a Batman judge dread crossover that I had. Uh, I don't remember anything about it other than it was this Batman. I think judge dread, you know, goes to Gotham or whatever, but uh, yeah, like you said, I, I, and you know, we could probably uh, we probably should review the new one uh, at some point because I think it much more got the tone right of the comic where it's a lot more violent and dark.
1: I would um, love to, but you had mentioned in our previous uh, chats that you couldn't get through it.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know if I just, I, I think the times that I tried to watch it, it was late at night and I was falling asleep, but uh, what I saw of it, I thought was fine. And, and I'd like to go back to it and, and uh, uh, you know, and watch it. I think I would like it well enough. Yeah, wanted I want to go back and finish it.
1: I'm not nuts about the idea of like doing um, series. Whatever. We haven't been doing this enough to have any precedent set. But, you know, I thought about it. We did Stallone and now we're doing another Stallone. But I kind of would like to watch Dread. I, I, I liked it for a number of reasons. Here we are. We're already reviewing it. But I mean, um, just as a pre taste, because we will get to it. it I are love it. Was, can you hear me? Did I lose you? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lost lost you for a second.
1: Um, I I was talking about the new Dread. I I really enjoyed it. I think we should, if you're willing to look at it, compare the two because... Oh, sure, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd definitely be willing.
1: This was a big, glossy production. That one feels like a much lower-budget production that they wisely used the money they had. Um, Yeah. The performances are really spot-on, and I'm a big fan of... um, Carl Urban, who plays Dredd. He's great, yeah. That one. Uh, I have a whole riff I can go on, which I won't bore everyone with now about actors whose performance is limited by their whole movie they're wearing. He's wearing that helmet. I don't think he ever takes his helmet off. So it's from literally the nose down is his entire emotive performance as an actor. It's just his body language and the bottom from 30% of his face.
0: And he does a great job. He does a great job at it. Um, And that was an area that in my sort of reading today, that was an area of contention with this version, the 95 version, I guess in the comic, uh, he never or very rarely takes the helmet off. And uh, that was where they really broke from what the, the fans wanted because Disney was the parent company for this, and they viewed it as we don't want to have our star in a in a helmet the whole time. So well, of course Stallone you know, wouldn't have wanted that either. You know, probably it's yeah. Like Stallone
1: wanting it to be a comedy, you know. Oh, you, know, you know. I don't know if he was a producer on this or not, but you know, he exerted as much power Which, as he could to make this a
0: movie yeah. that he
1: wanted it to be.
0: Um, yeah, he has said that the director was kind of a bully that he would just come out and, and try to, uh, terrorize everybody. I don't, I don't know, you know, that that's coming from Stallone. But one thing that I wanted to say, you, you brought up something that, that, uh, I thought was interesting. So, and I definitely, I definitely agree with you when I was watching this, I thought of total recall. It definitely has that, a similar vibe. And that was another total recall was another Paul Verhoeven movie. Uh It's a shame that Paul Verhoeven never worked with Stallone. That would have been a pretty great, you know, he did a really good job with, with Arnold, but I I think a a Stallone in a Verhoeven movie could have been really cool. Yeah. You know, something I, I never really thought about, but.
1: I've never been a big Stallone fan, but it's undeniable that he is a movie star. You know, the camera loves him. I think he's just, he's such a funny figure. You know, the voice and the crazy lip thing. You're just Mm kind of like, are you okay? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just so out there. And he's ripped. Like, he's clearly a big bodybuilder, muscle, action figure guy. Or at least he certainly, you know, dove quickly into that. Um, And that's kind of how I remember him from, you know, after the Rambo years. But... You know, he really, he always wanted to be funny. He wanted to prove that he could do it all. He was short, right? I mean, he was this really short guy. So he's this whole bundle of contradictions. I, You know, it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't enjoy watching Stallone, and we've done two back-to-back here. I just, uh, there's something kind of distracting about the cult of personality he has around himself. Like, and yet, it doesn't extend to trying to lose that distinctive way he speaks. Like he wants to be, he wants to be funny and serious and an action hero and a, you know. But he still talks like he just got kicked in the head. You know, and you're like, you don't, you know, get a voice, yeah. change. You know, like you want, you want to be. He's you.
0: never going to be able to do Shakespeare in, in every know. role. You know,
1: it's like, uh, yeah. What's more to the bridge? <laughs> you just gotta, come on. Is like, this is how you're? character's gonna speak i always found that a little of course you know and and then you've got but you've got uh schwarzenegger too then never you know schwarzenegger does do accent work no but i don't feel like i don't feel like watching schwarzenegger's career there are a lot of instances where he's trying i mean they do. they put him in comedies but and those mostly didn't work. No, but you know, I don't feel like he's trying to to
0: stand in a bunch of different categories. He definitely either. had his niche, you know. And this was this was the even though this one was a bomb, you know, it, this was kind of uh, kind of what he did basically.
1: Anyway, okay, so back to this thing. I, I think Amand Arsante. Uh, Sorry, I've had a couple of beers. Uh, uh, you know, sure. I think. What do you? The, what, the, do you
0: what, what did you have? What are you drinking tonight? Well,
1: part of the problem is, is I did it all over the place. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had a Bell's IPA, which was delicious. Uh huh. Just sort of while I was feeding the birds and making the kids dinner, and then <laughs> Rachel and I took a walk, and we got this place right around the corner that makes this amazing um, margarita. that they call it? Ah. Diablo Dolce, or something like that. And it's Mm. a margarita that's got this spicy salt that they use. It's, man, it's so good. Mm. But it goes right to my head. And then I had a a full session, uh, a a full sale session ale. Uh And the three, the beer and the margarita and the beer have stacked in (laughs) a a wobbly way in my brain.
0: (laughs) Well, things are crazy tonight because I am drinking. A gingerberry kombucha, Ooh. which tastes a little like soap. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I'd never, I like kombucha a lot, but this particular flavor, I had it not had a before. Bit, it
1: sounds like the right menu for uh, reviewing.
0: <laughs> it tastes a little like, yep, 1995. exactly. You just kind of have to choke it down, I guess. Uh, It's not that, you know, neither is that bad that you really have to the movie or this kombucha that you have to choke it down. But I want to tell you one little quick aside that's kind of funny. You talked about Stallone being ripped and, you know, he is, you know, and pretty much everything that he was ever in. I read today. So you had Diane Lane who, you know, she's I don't know how old she is in this movie, but she's really young and looks great. And, you know, is regarded as, you know, this really beautiful actress. And I guess they wanted her to do a nude scene in this. Again, it was. Yeah, again. So it was, uh, you know, this was maybe going to be rated R. And I think Stallone really worked hard for it to be PG-13. Well, she was quoted as saying she didn't want to do a nude scene because she said she was afraid that it would be uh, her butt on on screen next to Stallone's and she didn't want to have, she didn't want to be competing against him, which I thought was kind of funny. I guess a love scene. Cause those two. Have... And you know, that's a thing Stallone. It, it's kind of like with Arnold. Uh, we had this last week with, with Nighthawks. There wasn't quite a nude and uh, not a nude scene, but a love scene in that, but there were romantic scenes yeah. and outside of maybe, you know, Rocky, with Adrian Stallone doing love scenes or romantic scenes, it just doesn't work. You know, it just, it just comes off as, so it was, I thought they were, would, would maybe do, you know, something.
1: But you know, we got to go line. back and watch Rocky, but I don't remember his character in Rocky. It's maybe the most vulnerable I've ever seen him on screen. Like yeah. it's not a peacock role. He no. is playing, a guy who's not very bright. Like the the best thing you can say about him is that he's got stamina, he's got perseverance, and he stays stuck in there, and he keeps getting back up. Like, yeah. and it, it, he is the hero of the film. It's a great film. But uh, is there a love scene with Adrian? I think they kiss. Yeah, it, I don't know that there's a love scene, in but love
0: with her it's more kind of a little bit romantic scenes. But which, it actually feels intimate. Like yeah.
1: you feel that this guy imperfect as he is genuinely cares for her and may not be capable of, you know, and it may even be aware that he's not capable of, of loving her in the way that she wants or needs to be loved. But that's part of the beauty of the film is the kind of, I am what I am. You know, there's a Popeye yeah. to it. That's just kind of like, I know I'm not what I'm not, but, I can only be what I am, and there's something kind of authorizing in that. That I think is it's really remarkable. And in some ways, he came out of the gates with that as his first performance, and I don't know that he ever handed in anything quite that profound
0: since. I wonder if maybe, it's almost, maybe
1: that's not fair. He did a lot of movies I haven't seen. Yeah, before.
0: but I wonder if it's almost like a a band does their first album, a band that has been you know, they've been performing and writing songs for 10 years or something and they do their first album and it's amazing and hits. And then they've got to do another album a year or two right. later. And, right. you know, they've got to write songs in six months or whatever. You know, it, he had worked on Rocky yeah. for years and years and years. Suddenly there you know. are
1: shoulds, right? Suddenly yeah. there are, there are expectations and right. there are supposed to be, and there are marks that it's got to hit and there's marketing and there's other people involved and, you know, yeah, it, it definitely it gets complicated. He was he was, very he was a, clearly in his career concerned with the shape of his star trajectory, and yeah. I think he was very effective at it. Sure, you know, I
0: mean he's successful. Oh yeah, but and
1: look, everybody, like everybody, he had
0: his flops and he had his hits, and yeah, you know, all that. Yeah, and- of course,
1: Demolition Man. It I I think I had a lot of memories of Demolition Man. For once, I was like, wait, is Wesley
0: Snipes in this? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no, that's that's a different movie. Yeah, it just has that same kind of, you know, it has the feel of that. And as we said before, uh, Total Recall and I'm sure probably some other other movies in there. Another thing with you brought up the costumes and I I saw his name in the opening credits and was like, oh, that's interesting. And then read about it. Versace initially designed the costumes
1: no kidding
0: yeah and they they didn't like what he did and they scrapped it uh so they thought that was going to be a big deal. That I don't know what they thought they were going to do. They were going to sell clothing based on this or what? But they yeah, they said like that they
1: threw a lot of money.
0: Like they got James Earl
1: Jones and
0: Max von. So we didn't even mention. We haven't mentioned Ma- Max von Sydow. A, a classic.
1: You know. Well, and jumping back to a previous podcast in Dune, Toto did the music for that movie. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about that. No, we didn't. And There's that was a good. That was rock opera music going on throughout this yeah. whole weird period mashup, like. You know, and meanwhile, there's these like kind of rock ballad guitars in the background. You're like, what is happening?
0: I, that, I liked I, I did too. I, I like that music. I, I uh, That's It's a shame that, that we never got around to that. And this was uh, like Alan Silvestri or somebody like that did the score for this. So again, it was uh, The Cure is on the Soundtrack.
1: The Cure does, yeah. it's called The Dread Song. Yeah. <laughs> the Cure, I, it doesn't come on until the credits and I'm like, is this The Cure? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, talk about a, it doesn't line up. You're like, what does The Cure have to do with this universe?
0: So they were, you know, you, you, they were setting this up to be a big deal. You know, with with the, really, I mean, the the talent involved in it. You know it's it's funny because
1: this happens sometimes in Hollywood, and I, I, I wonder like, does it does everybody just start convincing it's like, oh, this cake is gonna be amazing? We got truffles, we've got Faberge eggs in it, we got <laughs> James Earl Jones is doing the frosting. We got you're just like, this sounds like a nightmare. I don't that's not gonna be a good tasting cake, it's just you yeah. got too much. Too many, you know, crazy expensive ingredients. The only common denominator is that they're all expensive things. Like, I don't know funny what the they, budget that they blame the screenwriter for it being a flop. Cause to me, that's the director. Like, if it wins, yeah. a, if it wins best picture, the director gets credit for that. I don't
0: know why the screenwriter should get axed if it, if the movie doesn't fly. And the creator of the comic, I, I read a, a couple of quotes from him where he said, uh You know, a lot of people just blame Stallone that he was he was miscast. He's not the right guy for the role. And the 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 guy who created the comic actually said he thought that Stallone was fine in the role, that he just thought he was in the wrong movie, basically, that this yeah. the, the tone that they went with, you know, was not was not right. It only made. In the US, thirty four million dollars, I don't know Ooh. what the budget was. But and then internationally, it made seventy eight million, so it, Still, it did a little over a hundred million you know total. I think but even yeah. in ninety five dollars that's not very good
1: I, I think that might be true i I didn't you know they did the crazy blue contacts to like make oh yeah that, like I wanted to ask you about that something. so that
0: that because at first I was like he has contacts in right because his eyes looked so strange yeah. But, I don't know if that's a thing with the character that he has blue eyes, but but Um, that was that was distracting. Maybe I felt like it was more because they put them
1: on him. They put them on um, Rico, his clone Mm. brother, and they put them on the clones. And I just felt like it was and I don't think they put them on Max von sit out, but. But to me, that was just this kind of like, oh, get it? It's the same genetic whatever. How do you know they're... Because they don't really look anything alike, but they give them no. the same haircut. And, and uh, the, you know, they do have some fun with him. Be like, I am the law. And then uh Rico goes, the law. <laughs> and they do have some fun. <laughs> they do have some fun with, with Stallone's manner of speaking. But mm-hmm. I think they wanted to give this kind of visual clone marker to the janus project you know i found it distracting too um yeah, but there are moments weird. when he's really committed when he's really talking about you know to his credit he doesn't he's not jer- jerking the whole thing off he, he 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 tries to act and i think when he's taking things seriously when they're trying him for a crime he didn't commit which is like central to his character like it's the one thing he over cares about is this rigid rigid um adherence to this legal code um he has a kind of an intensity you know and a one note like a monochromatic i am the law intensity that jives with the character there's not no soft edges to it Mm and stallone Achieved that, I think, on screen. I think it was all the other fluff that kind of muddied the water.
0: I never felt like uh you never like you talked about Rob Schneider. I read a couple of reviews today where, you know, they really blasted him and said he was terrible. He wasn't, you know, he was working with he was, you know, going with what he had to work with. I never felt you never got the feeling anybody any of the actors were phoning it in. No. You, You know, you felt like they were you know, kind of giving it their all. Yeah. I'm, I've seen a lot of movies
1: where I'm like, these people are not talented or this, you know, you know, and whatever you say about the screenwriter, the bones of the, the arc of the story on the page is pretty compelling, right? I mean, it's kind of the hero's journey. There's a fall and then there's a climb for redemption. And there's a, you know, there's a senior beloved senior figure that's lost and, it, it it stands up. It's not, you know, I've seen movies that are just like, what is, what am I watching here? This is such a stupid mess. It's none of those things. And you, I think it's, you know, saying Rob Schneider is terrible and saying, I don't like Rob Schneider are two totally different things. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? If you don't like Rob Schneider, okay. Like I, I get it. I, I can see that. I can see that he's, you know, it's corny and it's hammy and slapsticky. And yeah, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And maybe that doesn't fit in this movie, but I don't think he did a bad job at what he was doing.
0: No, 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 not at all. At all. And, you know, something that I've always wondered with quote unquote, bad movies, you know, so much is the result of editing uh, with films, but I've always wondered Do actors know when they're working on a bad movie? You know, when you're when it's a big budget and they're on set, unless the the director is just obviously totally incompetent and doesn't know what they're doing. Do the actors realize, you know, as they're going through it, are they thinking like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be a turkey? I've always wondered that.
1: I don't know. I never having been on a big Hollywood set myself, I don't know. I do think as an actor who has made movies, you, you get to a point where you're like, what can I control? I can control what I show the camera. So maybe this is going to be a horrible mess, but I can walk out of it saying. I did the best job that I could, and I really tried to deliver, uh, you know, make choices and deliver a comprehensive performance that made sense. You can't control what they cut and what they include and which take they use. Yeah. But but you can show up and you can give it your best shot. And I've seen a lot of movies, and I'm like, that was terrible. But you know, that one person, like, I couldn't take my eyes off of that person. That was really They were really going for it. And I, you know, of this otherwise forgettable movie, I will remember that performance stood out to me. And I think as an actor, you're kind of like, that's the best that I can do that I can control in this big collaborative process. Maybe they do. But I think if you let, if you let the, like, this is going to be a disaster, get the better of you. uh, And you stop trying, then you just look like some jerk on screen amongst a bunch of other jerks on screen who isn't even trying. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and that doesn't sure. show you
0: well at all. No, no. I think kind of the flip side of, of my question is I I think it's, you know, these people are all professionals and they're paid a lot of money and all that. I think it's a little bit because there are so many moving parts and it's so difficult. It I think it's a bit of a minor miracle when movies turn out to be exceptional or amazing, you know?
1: I agree, and I tend... I mean, it is a collaborative process. I tend to lay that at the feet of the director. I, yeah. mean, I, I think, for example, Lord of the Rings, which I know I keep coming back to. Well, but sure, but it's... Peter you know. Jackson, it was a huge success, and particularly in a genre that does not have a history of success. Um, He had so many people collaborating with him on that, and his ability to convey the specificity of that vision all the way out through the capillaries of second and third unit directors and extras and costume design and set design is remarkable. And so when you see the triumph of that, yes, all of the actors and everybody did a great job and they all deserve their um, laurels for that. But at the end of the day, you have to say, if there were a single person responsible for this, it's gotta be the director, right? Because from the top down, sometimes you it's you can't expect someone to control all of that minutia. But when somebody does, you know, Ridley Scott's another one that I think conveys an enormous amount of control out through the vision of his. He, he makes very, the movies he makes, tend to have a very clear vision and what a part of the reason why I think so many of them are really, really good. And then the ones that don't like, what was the one that he made about the crusades was it kingdom of heaven.
0: Yeah. Something like that. I've never seen it, but yeah.
1: So if you watch the studio release, it has problems. Um, but then if you watch the director's cut, it's much better. And you think, you know, part of the reason why he gets to make a lot of movies is that he is a studio man. Like, he knows on what side his bread is buttered. Uh, and if the studio says, you know, we want to cut this out and put in a ham sandwich, he says, yes, boss. And he'll do mm. his best to do that and make it fit. That's not always good for the movie. No. But he understands that what he's doing in the studio world is a job. and. Yeah. To get hired again he needs to be understood as somebody who tries to do what his bosses are asking him to do um i think the wise execs uh make clear what's important with ridley
0: scout and then they get out of his way yeah right? let the guy make a great movie exactly uh you know i think a great example of i mean i agree with you the director is ultimately the one that you know, determines if the performances are good or not, even you know, you look at Liam Neeson in Schindler's List, yeah, which I believe he won an Oscar for. And then just a few years later, he's in Star Wars episode one, not to pick on, you know, that movie that's had so much hate levied at it.
1: It's so funny. But he just watched some of that last night.
0: <laughs> he's just kind of flat, you know, and the same thing with uh uh Ewan McGregor, another really great actor. You know who's just doing what he can in the Star Wars prequels because Spielberg obviously was better with actors than Lucas was. You know, so uh, you know when you have Oscar winning actors and and they're just terrible in a movie, to me that's on the director.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I I was watching some of the prequels last night because I remembered the scene in which. They're on Geonosis and Padme and Anakin are going to be executed and Obi-Wan are, are going to be executed. And they, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a spectacular thing, but they've got them chained to these big rock pillars and there's like three different creatures they're going to have devour them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just shoot them. <laughs> Why yeah. do you need to have of this big gladiatorial? I mean, it makes for a great scene, but. Watching and Natalie the, Portman,
0: another great actor. Yes, you
1: know? watching the performances of the actors, even, um, oh wow, God, what's the name of the guy that plays Anakin? Um, Hayden Christensen. Yeah, who is not a bad actor. Hayden no. Christensen is not a bad actor. Watching him, you know, kind of emote his way silently through the scene where his, he finds his mother and she dies, and there are these supposed to be these sort of, um, Uh, sort of signposts toward his um, collapse into the dark side where where his anger and his uh, pain and fear get the better of him. It's just so poorly told on Hmm. screen. The design for the most part in those movies is really remarkable. I mean, we're setting aside and then there's, then there's like these Jar Jar moments or there's a moment where, Obi-wan goes into it's like a diner. it literally a chrome Greek diner in space, and there's some big alien who's wearing like literally a greased greasy t-shirt and like a paper I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then there's some aliens that have these kind of well, charger they have these kind of accents that are you're just gonna you you say are you trying to ruin this franchise? What are you, how can you be so creative in all of these other elements? Like the specificity of some of these war machines that you've concocted. And, you know, and then, and then so lazy. And I mean, I don't want to start a whole argument, but raises the word racist in, Mm -hmm. you're like, I don't, I couldn't get my head around these movies. Like, these were your movies to ruin and you ruined them. That's terrible as a director. It's like, let somebody else direct it. Then like you dictate all of these design elements. I mean, then, look
0: how it worked with the empire strikes back. Yeah. Let me, you know, let somebody else make a great movie. You had a different director you. and it's an incredible movie. My, my theory is, and I've read a lot about this, that, by the time you got to the prequels, George was surrounded by yes men. Yeah. And he had, there was a guy who was one of the producers or executive producers on the first two st- on star Wars and the empire strikes back named Gary Kurtz, who would argue with Lucas. He would be like, you can't do this. This is a dumb idea. You know, you can't do. And, 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 you know, that was what he needed or, cause he had yeah, obviously trust, trust
1: me on this. Trust me on that. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Not
1: that. That's
0: like you know, for example, and, and you know, the ewoks, they are what they are, but uh that the ewoks were originally they were originally supposed to go to the Wookiee planet. Right. And they decided they didn't have the budget to do it. And which
1: makes a lot more sense. Yeah, an and look in Lucas kind of tribal juggernauts that take out a, you know, platoon or whatever stormtroopers instead of these cute little
0: fuzzies. And Lucas was like well we'll just you know we'll we'll just cut them down and make them smaller and Gary Kurtz was like that's dumb you know don't do that but but by that by that point you know by the time they got to return of the jedi he had they had already parted ways so um but yeah i mean lucas was obviously you know a brilliant idea guy but he just he really needed somebody else to direct his movies an editor he needed an somebody editor.
1: to come in and with a red pencil and be like man this is incredible i'm going to cut 40% of this and mm-hmm. you know, and that's going to make the other 60% really shine. Yeah. Because Jar Jar goes a long way. It's an albatross around the neck of the entire franchise. Right. I think yeah. somebody even cut a movie without They cut a movie without kid, Anakin and Jar Jar in it. And I think apparently, it's, uh... apparently it's pretty good. <laughs> like if you, you, you know, take out the anchors, Around its neck, um, it's like it's not that bad. Uh
0: You know who actually did that, or has you know Topher Grace from that '70s show? Oh, that's who was. I it? think he was the guy. Yeah, I th- he has one. He has an edit. I don't know if he's if it's you know the only one, but but he has an edit of either episode one or maybe like all three films where he just cuts out you know what he thought was was bad, and it's supposed to be. I think you can maybe you know either find um, It's maybe not on YouTube. Disney is probably taking ah, it down, but, but it or, uh, you could find. Yeah. It. Oh sure. But they'd
1: uh, be foolish we've to gotten,
0: step on it too hard because that
1: uh, that boosts the whole property anyway, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. We've gotten far afield from uh yeah <laughs> from Judge yeah. dratt but
1: we're but we're kind of out of time. But that's anyway. okay. But, that's you know, right. it was a good starting point. I think. Do you want to do? Because you had you had suggested another film we could do for next time or if you're down to like just springboard off of this and watch the new dread um we could do that for next week
0: yeah since we're kind of already in the the dread mood i, I that would be fine with me I, i've always wanted to finish it excellent um, and what do you think about this for for people watching the 95 version do you recommend well, it or- uh, you know, there was a
1: nostalgic element for me that made me suggest it in the first place. And I think if you saw it and you didn't hate it and you want to go back and have a look at it. I I don't wish I had the time back. I, I thought it was kind of fun. I smoked a little wacky tobacco. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, wow, look at that. Um, so, I mean, I give it a I give it a tentative like my thumb is just above the horizon. Like, if you feel yeah, this like is it,
0: about a 50. 50- you know, it, it's definitely yeah. not a 19 percent. This is about oh. a five. It's it has a five point six on IMDb. I think that's, you know, five. and
1: That's about that's about it... right.
0: I mean, oh. like, you know, so yeah. if
1: you're feeling nostalgic and you're like, oh, yeah, I saw that one as a kid. Yeah, go back and take a look at it. It's only an hour and a half. It's not crazy. Um It's definitely
0: not the worst movie that we've reviewed since we no. started this podcast.
1: No, it is not. But, you know. I think and and I like I think we should try and decide what the next movie is, because I like at the end of these, the idea of being like tune in next week when we're going to talk about blah. Right. Yeah. Which we haven't done. So tune in next week. We're going to talk about the new one, which I think is a more successful film. And I'm excited to have you watch it and we can talk about it.
0: Sounds good to me. All
1: right. Good night, everybody.